This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. It is a loaded weekend in combat sports. With Canelo Alvarez boxing in Mexico, the U.S. debut of one championship, and another huge Cage Warriors event, and of course, UFC 288. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to talk about 288, and I'm going to give you my official prediction, plus Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor have finally come to terms, but before we get to all of that, I want to begin with all of the drama that's gone down with the UFC heavyweights this week. All right, let's talk heavyweights. You know what, as a matter of fact, let's just talk Francis. Let's talk specifically Francis. I had a very nice comment by somebody. I read the comments. Somebody said, Chael single-handedly has kept Francis relevant. If it wasn't for Chael, I would have forgotten who Francis was, and that's just a reality, right? 
I mean, when, when somebody retires, when somebody leaves the sport, I mean, it's, stock drops really, really fast. And there's ways to measure that. Uh, merchandising would just be a great example. But if somebody leaves the sport, they don't, their jerseys don't still sell. It, it, there's just things. And whether you left because you were hurt or you left because you weren't coming back or you left because you were in a contract dispute, you, you, what, one commonality exists in all three of those statements. You left. Somebody said that I kept him alive. And I got to tell you, that's true. I appreciate that compliment because it's not felt. I've seen Francis. I don't ever get thanked. Francis has my phone number. He's never thanked me. As a matter of fact, Francis is a text behind. My son is very cute. My son ordered a toy. It was the Francis Ngannou toy. I've got the video. I should actually send you guys the video. My son opened the toy. And he's got a few. He's got a Donald Cerrone. He's got a Dominic Cruz. He's got Uriah Faber. But when he open, when the toy comes and he opens, I film him. I film him open it. And then I send that video to Cowboy. I send it to Faber. I send it to Dominic, right? And they all get back to me. And my son gets a big thrill about this. I send it to Francis. He ghosted me. That will piss a guy like me off, just so you know. But I didn't take vengeance. This was almost a year ago. I didn't even mention it to you guys. I'm, I'm trying to prove a point that while I have kept him alive, while I have kept the discussion, I don't get thanked. In fact, I get, I get viewed as a villain. And that's strange to me. It really is. That's strange to me. And I'm observing what he's doing because I've never quite seen it before. It's new. I hedged my guess of what kind of conflicts he would run into with the strategy that he was invoking. And it was a guess. And then we sat back and just saw what happened and then discussed it along the way. I had never seen a top guy in negotiations to this level. Somebody that could work directly with the boss. Whether that was Dana directly, whether that was Coker directly, whether that was Chachery directly, right? I've never seen somebody at that level that could get those meetings that did it themselves. They, they always had representation. They always had a manager, just by example. It was just one thing that I'd never seen before. So as Francis came to terms with the PFL, how did we get here? I am very interested in that because it did look at a couple of different times along the way. Now, it was always a stretch, right? You got to be Stretch Armstrong to quite get there. But there was things along the way that made it look like this boxing thing was going to happen. The biggest thing is him being in the ring at Wembley in front of 93,000 live people with Tyson Fury, the most powerful voice in the sport, or so we thought, saying, I'm going to fight him. It turned out, old Tyson's really good at boxing. He's got no power. I mean, that, that, that's what it turned out. He said, this is my opponent. He's standing here. On t I'm marketing this. I'm building this up. Israel Adesanya has told us every single time for four years who he's going to fight yet next. And guess what? He fights him every time. Tyson Fury comes out, tells us who he's going to fight next. Turns out Tyson has no power. They don't actually respect him. They want him to fight and they'll pay him some money and this is the deal. Okay, fair enough, but we didn't know that. I don't think Francis knew that. Francis probably thought I'm in the ring, I'm with the champ. The guy said, he's got 93,000 fans, he says he wants to fight me. We got a good story. I want good money, but I mean, I don't, I don't want crazy money by your guys' standards. Like, you know, whoever, whoever this tub of guts that Tyson just beat up is, I don't even know what he made, but just give me what he made. I mean, right, in all fairness, it seemed like we could get this done. They're going to make up their rules and whatever they're going to do, but it seemed like they could get this done. Then you got Deontay Wilder. Now, in all fairness, see, Deontay's another guy. Deontay's another guy that's mad at me. Can you imagine? I mean, could you imagine? Because it takes a lot. I've done a lot of things in this world, but you guys don't ever hear me get called out. There's some guys you don't call out. Now, I, I understand my time is, I, I understand that, but you didn't ever hear me get called out. Because if you called me out, you would be fighting me right now, right? There was fake tough guys, and then there was guys like me. Never. And I get Deontay Wilder calls me out. Deontay Wilder, who has no chance against me. Deontay Wilder calls me out. Okay. Now, Deontay Wilder, by the way, was arrested yesterday for, for carrying guns. That, that's him. I hope that case goes very well. But he's probably carrying the gun because of me. I mean, in all fairness, right? He's probably carrying the gun because he said something stupid about me. And knew he had no skills. He's going to shoot me. But what a coward. And the only thing I said about him was that I said he was a coward. 
He talks to him, looks like he's from a rough part of town. It turns out he carries a gun because he's a wimp. And that's all that I said. I, on the day that on that he came out, on the day Wilder came out and said, I'm going to box Francis, he gave his word. Francis called him on that publicly. Publicly. Francis said, I hope you are a man of your word. That was all Francis said. Francis has always been polite. He's treated everybody nice. I came and told the world why Francis is waiting on Ben Dean. Deontay Wilder's not a man of his word. He's a scumbag. And it turns out I was right. And now he's packing a gun. I think because of me. I really, I really do think that. It might, it might not be, but I think it's because of me. Okay. Along the way, we start hearing about Francis, right? And the stories get pretty weird. They get pretty weird. And in this sport, from the beginning of time, if you don't want to fight, now you want the image. You want to be involved in it. You want people to look at you and think of you in a certain way. But you don't actually want to go in there and do it. All you had to do was price yourself out. That was it. Very common thing to do. If the going rate was 70 grand, you would come out and you'd make it clear, I'll fight any man, any man. I need a quarter million dollars. Right? You'd be four times more than the going rate. It was a very common thing. And a lot of those guys got called on their number and talked another one, showed up and took the beating. It was called pricing yourself out. Anything that you do in a negotiation that is going to lead you to the result that you intended, which is to not reach a deal, would fall into the same category as pricing yourself out. So when we're told... UFC, just by example. I think they were the first one up, right? That Francis wanted something added to every single fighter's contract. 700 plus. And you got to understand, the organization has that very thing in contracts. But it's it's not for everyone. That's true. That it's, it's something to aspire to. It's something to get you off of jerking the curtain or making your debut. It's something to, to, to make you a contender. The, the drive is called aspiration. It's extremely common within any business. You would have some kind of a drive. Incentive is the word that I'm looking for. So it was, it was a very strange thing to ask for. And the other side of it, right? The impolite, but to be more direct, it's none of your business. What my deal is with them is none of your business. Real simple. Okay. So it didn't work out, right? Then we hear from Chachery that Francis wanted a seat on the board and he wanted to decide how much his opponent got paid. Francis is getting teased for that one. Even by my inner circle, right? Right over here at Bad Guy Inc. He's, he's been teased. But I don't know what it means I can't tease him. I actually think, if I had to guess, I think what it means is he wants his opponent taken care of. He wants to make sure that that guy is getting money. He wants to be known as, hey, if you come in and you you work with me, you fight with me, right? It's a red panty night to steal Connor's phrase. It's a, I think that's what he meant. I don't think that he meant what some people have interpreted to be, which is, I want to make sure this guy's a half a million dollar guy. I'll make sure he's not all that good. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. And I don't know, and I don't even know that we need to get to the bottom of it. I think we can at least agree, agree that's really weird. That would be a really, really weird thing to do. And I don't think there'd be anywhere in history that you could look back and say, yeah, that's, that's what they did. I could go back to the 92 Bulls and Michael Jordan. And that's just not what they did. They just didn't give him a piece, regardless of the level of success that he had, of which was unknown. It was unknown. They know he's going to come back in 93 and 4 and 5, just by example. And then what would happen? What would happen if they dig him? He's still there today, right? He's half cocked out here. He's smoking cigars, betting a Rolex on a golf game. His son's tagging Scotty Pippen's old lady. I mean, right? It's, that guy's now on your board just because he sunk some baskets in 92? I mean, do you see the problem? Maybe you don't. But 
I don't know of a time that you could point to. It's just kind of a weird request. Can we agree on that? Okay. So, <clears throat> now that Francis is with the PFL, that will be, that will be good news, right? And, and everything in life is this way. Everything, yeah, right, go, what, what do we know? What goes up must come down. Then you run this way for a little bit. Maybe you go down again. Hopefully you can correct it and hopefully you have, have those ups, right? It's just life. But the way this works in, in a world of marketing, whatever you pay a free agent, whatever that is, that number is going to be larger than you generally would have paid him. For what's known as a bounce, if I think I can get exposure and media and headlines and topics, I'll pay for that. That's worth something. I want people discussing my product. I want them discussing my brand. If this gives them a built where I'm really sure that they're going to discuss it, that's worth something. I'll give it to the guy. I mean, I'll just share that with you because it will go up. They're right. It's 101. They're not reinventing the wheel, but just so you understand how this wheel works, and very few people do. When you have that announcement, you're now on an up. That is great. That's big news. Wow. And we'll have something to go with that. Right? We're gonna, there, there'll be information. There'll be, there'll be roughly a date. There'll possibly be a venue. Right? You want to get as many of the W's out as you can. The who, what, when, why, and where on that very initial. However, you don't want to get them all. You could even go as far as four of the five. You want to hold one back. Right? You want to keep one in the chamber so you can fire it a few more weeks from now. Keep those headlines. But I'll just share with you. So you're going to have this bounce. You're going to have this up when they finally make the announcement. I don't know what the delay is. I guess this is the announcement. But when they finally make the announcement, they're going to be up. But then they're going to come down when they make the next announcement because that's going to be the opponent. There's no way. There's no human out there where when it gets revealed who Francis's opponent is, where the MMA fans are going to write on. That's the one I wanted. And that's not unique to the PFL. I, I wouldn't te I, I really respect their roster. Everybody has that problem. Chaudhry wasn't sure how he was going to solve it. Coker didn't know how to solve it, but he didn't know what he wasn't going to do. He wasn't going to put Bader in there with him. If I'm going to give this guy a bunch of money, I'm not going to have Bader come out and stomp him out in the very first round, which is what would have happened. That was closer to plan, but Dana's got the same issue. Dana's got one guy for him to fight. That's John Jones, and he's crazy. He, we, we don't know if he's going to fight again. It's just a really hard spot. Are they going to observe the protocols of the PF? I hope so, and I think so. I could not imagine... Because they're doing a really good job. They really are. Now they're going international. They're going to different countries. They're doing a great job. They're putting on 10 events. Now they're putting on almost 30 events. They are doing a great job. I could not imagine that they would bend their own policies for an athlete. Because now you're, who's in charge, right? And there are organizations that have done that, none of which are around today. You go to the PFL, go into a tournament. Who's your first draw? Who else is in the tournament? That should be the reveal, but there's a part of me that fears it's not. There's a part of me that fears that's not what's going to happen. We will see. And sure, the speculation is out there. If he goes over, he's going to be fighting with Verdum. And I, I, I have Verdum as one of the greats ever. Come on. Finished Fedor. Finished Cain Velasquez in his Mexico sim. Come on. Verdum's incredible, but you're not going to have the bounce. You're not going to have something that gets home. There's just not, there's not a guy out there. There's not a guy out there. Coker was going to bring him in and not put him with a guy who was going to make him look bad. I'm just sharing with you. There's some moving parts. There's some things that need to be worked out. And I am very much of the mind of uh, let's look after the fight. The fighters are great. The fighters are good. I, I'm very much of that mind. That, that's a very real thing. And we, and we can start to have a conversation on exactly what that means. That comes with heart and that comes with support. And that's my community. And I would never turn on them. Never. I stand with the boys in the locker room. I don't stand with the office. I stand with the boys. The other side of it that isn't as nice to talk about, here's our deal. I pay you, you fight. That's our deal. We'll work out ahead of time. We know what the rules are, we know what the weight, weight is, and I'll get you the opponent's name plenty in advance. 
but I'm going to pay you and you're going to fight. That's the deal. And if you fight and I pay you, the deal is now honored. It doesn't come with board seats and it doesn't come with interference in other people's contracts that have already been agreed to. That's an update on the heavyweights. John Jones is on the heels of a massive announcement. And, and, and I got to tell you, I'll respect it. I, I really, really respect it. But he came out and he did some statements today. Now, I don't understand this. I, they, they call it the swerve. You try to throw people off. It's important. It's important in storytelling. Almost every movie that I watch that I like has, they call it like a twist at the end, right? Take the audience this way. You bring them back over here. You fade to black, roll the credits. Everybody's like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. All right. So I can't hate on what he's doing. I'd like to, I can't hate on what he's doing, but I just, I don't know that I agree with it. I feel like when you have a guy like John, there, there is something very valuable to the lesson of the truth will set you free. So I don't know. I don't know that I agree with the swerve here. Let me bring you guys up to speed. This is John talking. I think after the Steep Bay fight, that's going to be plenty for me. I feel like I really wouldn't have much more to prove after beating Steep Bay. I've been in the game a long time. In fighter years, I'm an old guy. I've been training for a long time. I've been in the game for a long time. And no, I'm not. I'm not repeating myself. I, he, he repeated himself and got some small injuries. I'd really like to just be around, be around my family, be around my kids. I want to be able to play with my kids, have a good head on my shoulders, have my joints work. That sounds reasonable. So I can see the end coming really soon and I'll be proud of my career. That also sounds reasonable. He then jumps in on Francis, and, and I don't really want to read it to you because it's a little bit dull, but he, he gets in on Francis, guys, and it is very relevant. When he talks about Francis, he, he sells Francis as though he's the guy in the room that understands how this works. He tells you that Francis used to be world champion. Francis has a lot of fans. That fight could bring a lot of attention and bring a lot of money because of Francis's popularity. He explains that, and there's always a guy where the light goes on. I mean, at some point, a guy's the light goes on. And he comes out and he does an interview. He's, he's got to tell the world what he's found out in his studies in the MMA business. Which is, it's not about what your resume is. It's about how many people want to see it. And, and like when that light goes on, he's devastated. Nobody's ever come to that realization and been happy and embraced and go, oh, okay, great. That's what I need to do. And when I say nobody, Colby did. But I'll share with you. And they got to come out and they got to tell the world like it's a bad thing. I had this happen, guys. I had this happen in my own life. I'll leave the name out of it. I had a friend that was going crazy. When we were at the gym one day. My friend is looking around. It's after practice. We're sitting around. He's, he's going to poison. He's going to poison the, the business of the gym. He's going to tell us members what's really going on here. And he looks left and right. He swears everybody to secrecy. And then he tells us, hey, you pay every month. Every month. They take it right out of your account every month. Whether you come or not, if you come every day, it's hundred bucks a month. But if you don't come at all, it's a hundred a month. And so he explained the gym business model, but he did it in a way that made it look egregious. And it was just one of these weird moments for me, but every fighter comes to it. I didn't know that John at 37 years old and a multiple-time champion, is just now realized, but he did, and he wants you to know that he knows it. And Francis is a big draw. And the reason that's interesting, everything that he said is right. It, it was just obvious and didn't need said. But hold the thought, because I'm not teasing him at all. The next paragraph down, he then talks about Sergi. Look, everybody's talking to me about Sergi. It's Sergi, 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 but the truth is, you don't know him. This is John speaking. He said, you don't know him. He said, Luke Thomas said it best, high risk, low reward. But if the UFC wants to come to me with the right numbers, we can make the Sergi fight. Now, they don't go together. The Francis fight brings in big money because people know Francis and people want to see that. People have been talking about it. 
Sergi doesn't bring in big money because he doesn't bring in a bunch of attention because people don't know him. That's fair. How do you get to a huge, how do you get new numbers for that? You, ju you just revealed, right? It's one of these things. Now, there's no point in talking about it anyway because John Jones isn't going to retire. It isn't Stipe and then bust. I mean, I've got to say that in his defense. I don't think it's Stipe at all. I mean, I know these things are up in the air. I do know that, but I know that Madison Square Garden, I know this. I'm, I'm telling you this. Madison Square Garden, which has been earmarked for Stipe and Jones, is now, they're giving a real good look at Connor and Chandler, just so you understand. And if Stipe and Jones don't do it on that date in the garden, they're not doing it. I'm not sharing an opinion right now. I'm, I'm giving you news. I'm telling you something. You got, you got to connect the dots from there, right? And John would fight Sergi. Make no mistake. He's having a little fun right now. He's doing whatever, whatever it is he's doing, he's doing it for some fun. Whether that's to goat Stipe, was to get Sergi's name out there. Whether he's wine drunk when he picked up the phone and did the interview. I mean, I, I can't really explain it. it. It's not a compelling or interesting interview. But it's something. And it's a big deal. I told you guys this yesterday. You loyal follower, you saw it yesterday. Maybe you think, hey, Chael, did you forget you told you kind of just made the same video? Well, I sort of did. I sort of did. But I added it yesterday. And there's a lot there, right? Like, like there's there's a massive part of this that you always protect the business. Always. And I, I always will protect the business. And sometimes there's stuff that I, I feel I, I got to discuss with you. Sometimes I feel that way. So after I did this piece yesterday and after I told you this Chandler and McGregor thing isn't adding up. And that's now being looked at for the garden, which means Steve and Jones are not. After I told you this, Chandler came out and confirmed it. Chandler said, yeah, man, this isn't, this is not progressing. Connor has his story and Usada's got a different one. They don't go together. Maybe the fight will happen in the winter. So after I brought it to your attention, Chandler revealed that he sees the same tea leaves. That's really interesting. Chandler versus Connor at the guard. That's really interesting. Anywhere they want to do it is really interesting. It replacing what we thought was going to be the main event, in my opinion, is the bigger story. My opinion, that's the much bigger story. And that's where John's feet are held to the fire, Right. John is making it very clear, and he's doing his best to play the game and fight Stipe, no matter what it means. No matter what. He wanted to fight him last December. He couldn't wait anymore. He had to get He's a prize fighter. He hadn't been fighting in three years. He's got he's to get in there and get a check. So he gets in there, and they, it wasn't Stipe. It was somebody else, so he tries to get Stipe in the summer, and, that, and that's not going to work. So, he, I mean, he's willing to wait. He's willing to wait, but he's got to do the match. He has to do the match. He's not in a position to walk away. He's not even pretending that he is. But I think that that adds fuel as to why, right? If, if you're worried you're going to lose him once he does this match, but that match isn't booked yet, why would you book the match? I'm just asking the question. I, I'd love to know. Any, I like to learn things. Very smart minds over there. They can teach me something. Haven't in 25 years, but they, they could, and I'm open. I'm open to it. Goat in the division has a match that once it's done, he leaves. Why would you give him that match? He has to fight again. He's not hiding that. He's not in a position to walk away. Why would you give him that match that you believe he's going to walk away on? It's a very reasonable, very reasonable question to ask. and McGregor, they've settled their lawsuit. Did you guys read this? Conor McGregor's management company, KO's Manny Pacquiao with a $5 million verdict. Now, that's been going on a while, and without getting into all of the X's and O's, which in all fairness, you can only tell what was reported, and reporters suck, so we, we really wouldn't know, but it was something very close to, or at least argued, and it turns out successfully by Audi. They, Manny entered in to a deal with Connor's management company to do two fights. 
Now, that was going to be about $20 million, if I understood this article. I mean, I'm, full, I'm fully admitted to you, I'm getting this from the media who doesn't get anything right. right? So, so for sure, but I get you close. And that was interesting just on his face. Like, let me stop you right there before we get who's into right and wrong. What management? What do you mean you signed Manny Pacquiao to a $20 million? What are you talking about? You don't have a management company. Now, that would be argued. Yes, we do. It's it's right here. Oh, okay. You have a you have a tax identification number for something that has the word sports management in it. Okay, okay. Fair enough. But I, I would I would like I I would be interested in that being elaborated on. Since when has Connor been putting on boxing matches? And maybe and maybe not, but this was gonna be his first and he needed Manny and Manny backstabbed. And maybe that's the part that I'm missing. What do you mean you Manny signed with McGregor Sports and Entertainment? Really? What's that? All right, set that aside. Set that aside. Manny already had a deal. He already had a deal with somebody else. So I didn't actually read that when Manny signed that he got a check, that there was a signing bonus. I didn't actually read that, but I don't know else why else he would sign. I'm just guessing. Now, he he didn't reveal that he already had a contract with somebody else. I do find it a little bit egregious that they didn't assume he had a contract. The world's most famous boxer isn't under contract to box. He's available to come to your organization that doesn't box, but you say you're going to box. I mean, right? I, whatever, whatever. It, it, it really doesn't matter. Try to get $20 million. They were successful in showing that Manny was not honest. And the jury awarded $5 million. Now, my intent when I sat down here was never to actually get into the X's and O's of, of, of what happened in this court case. I do find a couple of things very interesting. I mean, I, I've teased the fact that there's a, a company out there and they're doing boxing and they got, they got man. I, mean, I teased that, but maybe I don't know something. I'm telling you that they don't have that and they've never done that and they have no distribution. They might be able to shove back in my face and go, yeah, Chad, but we would have. That's why we signed him. That's why we gave him so much money. He was the guy we needed him, and when he pulled out, it cost us a bunch of money. That could very much be true. Pacquiao signing and agreeing to deals, though, I mean, th this, is, this is an ongoing theme where something there is amiss. And I don't know if it's an inability to read or an inability to comprehend what you read, or not really understanding that a contract really does mean something. It's not just if I feel like it or if it comes around. And every manager in MMA that I know at some point will explain to their clients the Manny Pacquiao history, and it's been extremely well documented. I believe it was Sports Illustrated. I could have that wrong, but it was somebody big did a whole story and just told it. And they said that Manny roughly left $30 million on the table, but they broke down how. And he was just, had a history of being very unspecific with who represented him. He had an absolute history of this. He's got a guy that can go out and do his sponsorships. That, that's a unique, that's, that's a, that's, this lane, but you pick one person, you do an exclusive deal. And he did with seven different people. So you got seven people calling, right? The, the, the big guys were coming after Manny. Let's just say Coca-Cola. It was, but let's just say a big company like Coke. Well, Coke gets a call. They're interested. They want, they want to do Manny. They want to be part of this fight. They get another call from another guy that says he represents Manny. What? They get another call from another guy and another guy. And all of a sudden, four people call him, all claiming they have the right to sell the package for upcoming fight for Manny Pacquiao. Coke says, I'm out. I don't care if it's a good deal or a bad deal. I, in terms of the money, I'm out. This is confusing. This is not how these things are done. One voice, and he and he lost the deal. And it wasn't a matter where Manny could go get that straightened out and call back. Coke is done. And this was, and again, I, I threw Coke in there. I just can't remember the company. It might have been Anheuser-Busch. Something along these lines. Budweiser, are they, they do a big job in boxing still? At any rate, without knowing the company, they listed it out, though. They list time after time after time over an eight-year span that Manny Pacquiao had told multiple people, you are my exclusive guy. 
and I have a feeling that I know where that comes from because everybody in MMA, and I do mean everybody, 100% of MMA fighters did this at some point. It might have been your first day, it might have been your first week, it might have been for your first couple of years, but everybody did the first, when managers were coming to them, seeing a potential one to represent them, yes, I will give you 10% of whatever you get me, go. And them going, well, no, hold on, I need, I need an exclusive deal here. Sign here, you're my guy. We work together, you don't work with anybody else. And that's where the fighters want to do it. No, 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 I don't want to do that. You get me 10%, I, I've told that to somebody else too, but if he get, of course, of course if he gets me a deal, I'll give him 10%. And the same thing with you. Like, it makes sense to the fighter, and it takes them just a little bit of time to have this explained to them by veteran fighters that it just doesn't work that way. No manager with those contacts is going to use them if you're not exclusive to him. So where you think you're throwing this off route six, seven different places, that'll up your chances six or seven fold over the other guy. You will have none, zero. And a lot of managers just won't tell you that. So if I come in and I'm trying to represent you and you give me that business, right? Hey, you're a fighter. Saw you on the regional scene. You look good. I'm having dinner with Dana tomorrow. I'm going to bring him up to you. Do you have a manager? I like. I can take care of this deal now. I can get this done tomorrow. And if he tells me he's not going to come exclusively with me, but he likes that and he will do that, he would really like to be in the UFC. He'd really like me to get him that contract tomorrow. I may not take the time to explain to him, I'm not, no, unless we're together for a period of time that's going to be established in writing, I'm in for all of it, the good and the bad, but I am the guy. If I, I might not take the time to explain to him. If he tells me that he's got five other ones like me, I might just thank him, wish him well, and leave. And I, I'm only bringing that to you because I've only read one article where they actually took the time to break down the mistakes that were made by an athlete, and it was Pacquiao. And after that article came out, I would think that would be a big eye-opener, where Pacquiao would go, oh my goodness, right? I told you every fighter goes through this, and a lot of times, it just it's real early on. But they all get straightened out. They all get smart to the business. They all look back, okay, I was a fool. And then they share it with the next guy. The next guy that comes in, everybody goes through it. It's a piece of the psychology. You have an older guy come in and correct you. Thank you very much. You pass that on to somebody else. Did nobody do that with Manny? I mean, is it so many yes men around? Just nobody did that with Manny? I'm asking the question. I don't know. I like Pacquiao a lot. This is, this is one thing. This isn't him being a bad guy. He... Got something wrong, he had to write a check. I mean, it's, it's it, you know, this isn't a kick Manny session, but but it is a very interesting phenomenon of, of how do we how did we get here? I was in Las Vegas. Manny invited me to pray with him. Apparently, Manny goes to church every day. But that's every day, meaning every day. So if he's on the road, he's at church. By the way, if he's got a fight that night, he's in church. Goes every single day. So he invited me to come. Way that worked, I was in a Benihana. I was with my hot-ass wife, Brittany. I was with my buddy, Daryl Christian. We're at a Benihana. You know Benihana, so you sit around. People are all people are all together. You're, you're not there just with your party, with other people. And these guys start talking. They were fight guys, and they're talking about John Jones and Chael Sonnen. And John Jones, they, they think John Jones is going to beat up Chael Sonnen. I was in town doing the Ultimate Fighter. It was when the same time that Manny was going to fight. Who was that guy that just juiced up and knocked Manny out? Knocked him out of the ring. He was so... Uh, Marquez Jr. One Manuel Marquez growth hormone knocks Manny out. But they, they were in town, these Filipino guys that were talking about John Jones going to beat me. I speak, they don't see me there. I speak up and say, nah, I, don't, I don't think it's going to go that way. They look, oh my God, we're so sorry. What, how are you doing? And we have a great time. They explain who they're with. We have a great time, but they give us tickets. They give us tickets to the show, these great seats. Sat by Dave Chappelle. I'm a name dropper who sat by Dave Chappelle. So a great time. I'd never been to a boxing event before. Not like this. And oh my goodness. You had the Filipinos and the Mexicans. I have never been somewhere that, that was this intense. And guess what? When it was over, that was it. It was intense until it was done. Everybody shook hands and walked away. It was really cool. It's a really cool experience. And I didn't think it was going to end that way. I mean, when I tell you I've never been in a room with this kind of intensity... It's a big statement coming by me, but it's also literal. And I did think, hey, when this thing's done, you know, I got to get my, we got to get out of here. We got to get to an exit. All hell's going to break loose. Not to mention, Marquez won the fight. It clearly, clearly juiced, right? I mean, and knock, knocks him, knocks him out of the ring. Manny beat him three times straight. Manny now can't win a round. 
So it was one of these things. Where I thought I thought it was going to be a little hotter than it was. Everybody shook hands, man. That's the way they go. So I, I, that's a cool moment. But I just share that with you. I, I, I just share with you. This Connor story was very interesting. Connor's doing boxing shows since when? Connor's signing top guys or thinking that for his debut in boxing, which he's never he 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 thought that a top guy that was signed with him since when? Manny Pacquiao was still by. How old is he? He's older than me. I retired four years ago. He's a lot older than... How old is Manny Pacquiao? He's got to be like Francis's age. This guy about 70? <music> UFC 288 is sure to pack a punch with high stakes. The first matchup between Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. Guys, who's going to secure the Bantamweight Championship? Place your bets right now at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers, you can make a $5 bet and you can score $150 in bonus bets and you can do it instantly. Plus, everyone can take the MMA action to the next level with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. That's where you can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. Let me give you guys an example. Who do you think's the favorite between Aljo and Cejudo? If you said Cejudo, you're right, but only barely. Listen, Aljo is negative 105. Henry Cejudo is negative 115. That is as close to even money as I remember seeing at DraftKings. I want you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it right now, but use the code CHAIL. Now, you can bet just $5 on any UFC 288 fight. You will get $150 in bonus bets instantly this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook by using the code CHAIL. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York. Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y to the number 467-369. In Kansas, call 800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age does vary by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes. For offer details, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Guys, I gotta tell you, I'm not a big planner. I'm more of a spontaneous guy that likes to do things last minute, and that doesn't always work out great when I come across a fun event that I gotta buy tickets for. Luckily, the Game Time app is here to save the day. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets with their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for all the fun you're gonna have. The Game Time app is really easy to navigate through. It doesn't have a bunch of extra graphics and pages to scroll through. Just search for the event and there you're gonna find the best tickets available. You can even see the view that your seats are gonna have and you can do it all from within the app, which is so helpful. Forget the pressure of planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event and their Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets, in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's a really generous offer by them. Guys, snag the tickets without the stress by using Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code CHAIL. You're gonna get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use redeem code CHAIL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Official prediction Gilbert Burns versus Blahal Muhammad. Guys, I'm taking Gilbert, and I don't love how we got here. I don't. I do not love the path how we got here. Here, 
let's back up. As of this morning, it has finally been announced this is a number one contenders match. It was stated that business will go on as planned, meaning Colby Covington gets the next crack at the title against Leon. Whoever wins between Gilbert and Blahal will sit out and wait until the conclusion of Colby versus Leon and then will take on the winner. I think you guys understand what number one contenders match means, but that's a very wild spot. I mean, the whole reason these two guys are here is because they're prize fighters and they don't get a prize unless they're doing some fighting. Then it turns out that they're brave, they want the credit, they want their opportunity, they're willing to do and walk through fire, whatever has to be done, they'll go out and do it. But make no mistake, they're prize fighters that are looking for a prize. Which is where the irony comes in that the winner is going to sit for a meaningful amount of time. The loser, as a matter of fact, could rightly be predicted to compete before the winner does. Which means they paid it. Do you guys ever think about it like that? I just bring that to you because it's somewhat interesting. And as I talk about how we got here, neither one of them knew this was going to be a number one contenders match. We all had a good feeling. We all thought it should be. But we didn't know it. They weren't promised it. I think that's a big deal. I think that speaks volumes to both of them. We didn't have to dangle a carrot in front of them. There was an opportunity. There was a co-main event. It was on a pay-per-view. And they both stepped forward. I think that they both deserve a lot of credit for that. Now, as I look really close into the X's and O's of how we got here, I have never thought of Blahal Mohammed as a guy who has weaponized pace. And I just mean, I just, I don't, I just don't think of him that way. I don't think of Blahal as a guy, well, it doesn't really matter what happens. He's going to get you tired. He's going to wear you down. He's going to grind on you. The longer the fight goes, the better it is for Blahal. I will fully admit, perhaps... I should, but I don't. And when Blahal was the one to ask for five rounds, to add rounds four and five, it for the first time ever made me think, oh my goodness, this guy can rely on his conditioning. It's one thing to say it. It's a whole nother thing behind the scenes for information that got leaked to us that frankly was none of our business that the, the, the two extra rounds added to this were added as a negotiation tactic by Mohammed. So he believes that he can run him down. He believes, Blahal, that he can win rounds four and five. What you guys need to understand is fighters always know. A fighter will say one thing and his opponent will say one thing. They know who's more powerful. They know who punches harder. They know who kicks harder. They know who the better wrestler is. They know who the more uh, dangerous submission artist is. They know who is a front runner early. They know who can come from behind. They know. They don't tell you, but they know. Every single time. They know where their weaknesses are. They know where they got to make it up. Man, this guy hits way harder than I do. I need to avoid his punches and get inside. I'm just sharing for you. They're not blind to it, no matter what they come out and say in the media when they say an interview. So the fact that Blahal, behind the scenes, asked for or demanded, if you prefer to say it that way, two more rounds is very telling, at least to the mindset of Blahal. I know so many of us think they're they're both so confident. Stop, stop. I, I don't care that your seventh grade PE teacher told you elite athletes have confidence. They don't. The elite athletes, in spite of a lack of confidence, are willing to go out there and perform and roll the dice anyway. And that is a little secret that your seventh grade PE teacher didn't know, which is why he told you they're confident in the first place. He didn't know. So now that we're armed with the fact that Blahal believes those rounds are going to be his, I have to scratch my head and go, God darn, I just can't remember a time that I saw Gilbert get out-hustled. I just, I just, I can't think of a time. That was in his grappling career or his MMA career. I can't think of a time. So I'm wondering if it's a good bet by Blahal. Now let's take a look at the only other thing that we were advertised, which is the weight. Mohammed wanted a five-pound spot. Hey, we're going to do this on short notice. We both weigh the same thing. We're both going to have to pull some weight to get... Why, why pull an extra five pounds for each of us? And Gilbert had a very reasonable answer. Because that's the weight class. There isn't a weight class called 175. And then what do we do? We get, we, we, we get the pound for the... So it's actually 176. Things are starting to go weird. I can understand that standpoint. I get it from both of them. But when you look at that fight, you, you, you still have to ask yourself, okay, how? If you're taking Mohammed, great. How is he going to beat him? Do you believe that he can outstrike Gilbert? You think you can take Gilbert down and keep him there? 
There's, there's only so many ways to win one of these contests. Do you believe that Blahal offers something different or more than Chemayev did, by example? When we go back and we, and we look at Gilbert, Gilbert possessed arguably the biggest threat to Usman's crowd. Arguably. Usman has officially come out and said that that's Colby. But if you watch that fight, Gilbert hurt him. He had him stumble a little bit. Kamara had to had to figure things out, get straightened out. When Kamara won, he had to he had to put him to sleep. He had to finish him. I mean, he had to finish him. You know, if you don't shut that man off, he's not going away. He's not going anywhere. And I I have to consider that. I have to consider that within the five rounds. Now, everything that I just told you is just from my interpretation. I've had people in private argue with me. Say, Chill, you're completely wrong. Five rounds, that greatly favors Blahal. Those last rounds are going to Blahal. He's going to run you down. That, that could be true. I, I mean, there's a reason we don't just mail him the check. There's a reason we don't just mail him the, the award. The guys have to go out there and do the actual match so they can both have their say. When I, when I look at Mohammed, though, I have looked and seen from a mental standpoint, I've seen him overcome damn near everything. I mean, the idea of Lahal Mohammed being a co-main event or a main event guy or in a title eliminator match or in a championship match or in many eyes, the guy that's going to win the championship, all things that he is, he's the one that put himself there. Not us, not you, not the promotion, not the media. Nobody did him any favors. He came out and screamed loud enough to get enough opportunities and went out there and beat people up. I mean, it was a very interesting spot that he was in with Corey Brady. They're on an undercard. Blahal, who had main event, I mean, let's think here, with Leon, he, he did with Luke. I mean, this is off the top of my head, guys, right? I, I don't even have a sheet in front of me. And I'm telling you, two main events that he did. One of which went to a no contest, but he got, stopped a guy's four-year streak. The other one, he won over a guy that was arguably a number one contender, right? I mean, when Luke came through the curtain in Madison Square Garden and weighed in at 9 a.m. for the main event world title fight between Covington and Usman, that right there tells me he's a number one contender, and Blahal goes out and beats him. So it's very relevant, though. They move him to an undercard against Corey Brady. Sean Brady, I apologize, but Sean, Sean had never lost. Sean was 15-0, and 0, looking absolutely amazing. And Blahal's looking around going, are you guys not seeing what I'm doing? You took me from a main event of which I want. You pulled me down to an undercard. I mean, it was a really hard spot to be in. And he went out there and dealt with it. And he handed an absolute killer in Brady, an absolute stud. His first defeat. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting spot where both of these guys have shown us what they can do. They both have shown us what they can deal with. They both showed us their metal. Both showed us they got good chins. They got an ability to grind. They can stay in each other's face. They can come from behind. I mean, it's one of these... It, it, I love that this was named a number one contenders match. I mean, if there's one thing where I woke up today and that made me feel good about the world, made me feel good about the MMA spear that I cover and I support I'm a fan of, it was learning that this has officially been named a number one contenders match. Nothing else can stop whoever wins this fight. And I think whoever wins it, though, we do have the answer for where they're going to go and what they're going to get next. They're going to get the winner of Colby versus Leon. While I understand that, I know that's a great selling feature, you would have equally as much fun trying to figure out who is the guy that loses this fight drawn to. 170 is a very exciting spot right now. The loser of this fight is far more likely to fight faster than the winner of this fight. Where do you go and get your hand raised, but where do you go if you come in second? It's a fun game to try to play. My official prediction. For Cejudo versus Sterling, I'm taking Cejudo. And you want to know why? Because I'm a nut hugger for a wrestler. I have no other answer. Aljo's a wrestler too. I mean, I've got to tell you. Okay, so they're both wrestlers, and then one of them's an Olympic champion, so you've got to go with him. But truly, I think that's it. That must be a weakness within me, right? But it's a consistency. Well, I've been making that mistake since 1993. Used to always be right till about 2001. All of a sudden, who was the better wrestler just didn't matter anymore. Now, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this to, for me to point out my own 
hypocrisies with you. Somebody does not get better at something by not doing it. Henry sitting out since 246 until now. If that was anybody else, I would use that against him and give the edge to Sterling. History says Sterling, being younger and more active, wins. Now we've got common opponent. People love to say MMA math doesn't work. MMA math works all the time. It's not an absolute science. It is not perfect. It's damn close. You got to go out of your way to find an MMA math or equation that doesn't compute. And unless you're talking about something very fishy or very fugazi, once in a lifetime, big shot, something along these lines that happen, it's damn near foolproof. Let's just use TJ Dillashaw. They both fought him, but I think we can agree that, that, that Aljo's performance was very different, right? You, you couldn't give Henry any corrections. He, he was in and out of there in like 20 seconds. But we can also say that we've never seen anybody handle TJ with or without the shoulder. We don't have to go and revise that. I'm just sharing with you. As far as a common opponent and somebody that you should be scared of or something that you're going to break down, that you're going to look at that your opponent dealt with it, I think that it's a reasonable and meaningful person. And I believe that Aljo is going to impress you more. Even though he was in there much longer, I think he's going to impress you more with what he was able to do. Then you've got two guys... They both want to leave the weight class. Neither are happy with their being paid. Aljo, it turns out by John Anik. John Anik broke this today. I didn't know it until John said it, but he said that this is Aljo's first time in a main event. All these times that he's been featured, but he's been on cards that have other main events. I apologize, other title fights, and they have got the headlining spot. This is Aljo's first time. He will be the absolute last athlete to leave the back and walk to the octagon. Does that matter? Mm, it, it does on many levels. When you're the champion of the world, probably not. You're probably far past some of those nerves and anxieties getting to you. Let me tell you a misconception that I have. I'm aware that it's a misconception. But let me tell you where it comes from. I have a belief that Aljo fades later in fights. Now, I've never actually seen that. And do you want to know why that's imprinted in my head? Because Aljo was extremely cautious in fight number two with Peter Yan, and he gave away rounds four and five. He did that by strategy. It was an extremely risky strategy. He did that by strategy. It did not actually mean that his energy was depleted or decreasing. But because it happened somewhere in the back of my head subliminally, I think of him as a guy who has a hard time holding up. I, I admit that that hasn't actually been what I've seen. Now, when you talk about Henry, it's not what you might think. Henry Cejudo, being the Olympic champion, does not just go out and take guys down. This is not a ground and pound specialist, right? This is not Khabib that's going to cut you off, get his hands on you, and you're in big trouble once that happens. It's not like that with Henry. He's, as a matter of fact, Henry's had a number of fights where he fails to get the takedown. He goes for it. He sets it up. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. Now, I'll just remind you that he then has to turn to his hands. You know, he knocked Dillashaw out when he got the stoppage against Dominic Cruz. It's not because he was out there wrestling him into Keith Peterson stepping and breaking up. I mean, Henry's not totally what you would expect and think Henry to be. I also would presume that he's better now than he was then because he started coaching. This is a concept that was taught to me by Chuck Kearney. 1997, but Chuck Kearney told me, hey, start working some summer camp. Start working with some guys. Start asking a coach around town if you, if you can tag in and help out a day. He said, you'll become immensely better at the sport when you have to teach the sport. When you're just out there and it's free and wild and you get used to it, it's totally different when you have to break it down. Here's what I do. Here's where I go. Here's where I step. Here's where I penetrate. It's very different. I just share with you that Henry's been doing that. And since Henry started doing that, it's been a who's who, whether it, whether it was Wei Li, whether it was Formega, whether it was John Jones. The athletes that are coming through, don't forget, that's a two-way street. That isn't just Henry working on distance and range with these athletes. He's also learning from them. So it's, it's very precarious, very precarious spot. Both guys have other goals. Neither guy appears, the proverbial term, to sweat, sweating the other guy. They're already moving on. 
They're not only moving on from each other and from this contest, they're moving on from the entire division. Both guys are talking about moving up to 145 pounds. Does that matter? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You go ahead and determine if it's good or bad. I'm just sharing for you, it's a wash. Whatever conclusion you come to, yeah, that's really helpful. Oh, no, that's bad news. Well, they're both doing it, so it's a wash. It's a, it's a really weird spot. And one thing about Sterling, he turned out to be a lot better than we knew he was. I don't think that we knew that he was a world champion. I don't think that we knew he was the best 35-pounder doing it today. And it's a massive question. Would have he got to the championship had Henry stayed there? It's a big deal when somebody walks away, when somebody walks away from the belt and or the title. A lot of times that question will just loom and people will use it against you just purely to irritate you. But this is one of those very few situations where we're going to test the theory. Would Aljo have been champion had Henry not left? That's what this is about, man. This is a close fight. This is a really hard one. You ask me to, you ask me to make a prediction for you, I'm putting the curse on Sahuda. Alright guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I am happy to announce that Sunday I will be releasing a special UFC 288 reaction show. So be on the lookout for that. Enjoy all of the action this weekend and make sure you're back here with me on Sunday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome. <laughs>